Hey, listener, we would love it if you could take a quick moment to give our podcast a review on iTunes, Spotify, or leave us a message on our Facebook or LinkedIn pages. Welcome to the Our Community Listens podcast. My name is Adam Salgut, and with me today are two very special guests. One of them our listeners know quite well. Her name is Sarah Weisbart, and she is the leader of Curriculum Improvement and Development for Our Community Listens. Welcome, Sarah. Always a pleasure to be here, Adam. The other guest is joining us from Midland, Texas. His name is Mike Disparis, and He is the Our Community Listens Leader of Education Initiatives. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Ah, Thank you, Adam. I appreciate the opportunity to to be on today's podcast. So, Mike, can you tell me a little bit about your work as the Leader of Education for Our Community Listens? Yeah, I'll be happy to jump in and, and have that conversation. I've been with Our Community Listens now for about 10 months. And I am leading the idea of how are we going to get our community listens, um, our communication skills training into the hands of educators, whether they be principals, um, administrators, paraprofessionals, any type of staff that works in schools. And then also we are taking a unique and interesting look at how we can get this into higher ed with the different colleges and the universities as well. Mike, can you tell me a little bit about the importance of getting these skills in the hands of those that are working directly with youth? Yeah, absolutely. That is a great question. When we take a look at the opportunity that we have with what we know we can accomplish with our communication skills training, and if we give it to those who are working directly with youth, and they're able to practice and use the, the skill set from the three-day training, think of how much more powerful it is going to be for our students as well as for the adults working with those students. That makes a lot of sense to me. And you mentioned um, in a prior conversation about when something tragic does take place in a school system, the impact that has not only on the students but on the staff. Is that something you'd want to touch on? Yeah, so I don't think that this is the end-all be-all answer for for tragic situations or events that could happen at a school, but if schools are equipped with the communication skills trainings, if adults are able to go through it, think of how powerful it is to just have the ability to sit and listen and lead with empathy and be with students as they kind of reflect as what it is that's going on in their schools. Sarah, can you touch a little bit on your experience with using these skills with youth? Well, um, I'm just listening to Mike and I'm just really thinking about how we support um, organizations, how using the communication skills training helps an organization, helps a group of people feel like they're connected to one another, feel like they can support one another, that they have communication skills to use effectively with one another, and it completely improves the environment with which people are working in. And so I I hear really what Mike is talking about is if we have an educational environment where the staff and the educators 
feel like they belong, that they're working well as a team, that they're using these skills well together, then it's almost like they're equipped to help students, um, whether it's in a crisis situation or maybe it's just they're struggling in their academics. We have then adults that can talk to, empathize, connect with students, with our youth in a way that helps them feel like they too belong to that supported system. Understand this, Adam, and you can think back to, and our listeners can think back to teachers that they had that they connected with at a deep level. Um, most likely they had a really strong sense of belonging inside that learning environment, inside that classroom. And it's because that teacher did all kinds of things to make that student feel welcome, regardless of whatever labels or issues they come with. Um, if you think about what you learn in communication skills training, it helps strengthen a student's sense of belonging when they're inside that learning environment. If I know I have really good skill, I have a really good skill set now on how to listen and what the importance is of listening and how to lead with empathy, I'm going to have a, such a stronger sense of belonging for my kids and they're going to kind of want to be in that environment. Um, and not only is the learning going to um, just progress and grow, but then also the environment with our kids inside that, that classroom as well. You mentioned in there, you know, that I may have examples and I, I actually certainly do. I had a, a high school teacher that I took journalism all four years and he was my teacher all four years. And by the time I graduated, he really felt like that, like a mentor figure, that father figure in some ways. Yeah. And uh, he, I ran into him just a couple weeks ago at the grocery store and he said he still has the letter that I wrote him when I, <laughs> when I graduated. And I thought that's, I, I hardly remember what's in it, to be honest, other than I'm sure I gushed over how awesome he was. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it is that sense it, of connection that I had. Absolutely. It's 100%, and Sarah pointed it out as well as you, that connection. The cool thing, the great thing, the thing that I love about communication skills training is it's the actual tools to help you with connection with your kids, with your um, wife, with your husband, with your partner, with your friends, with your parents, and even with your own kids at home. And that's such a powerful piece to this whole part. Um, I'm really excited to try to think about not just affecting one or two teachers on a campus, but how can we get on board with different campuses uh, around the United States and have them all trained in CST, whether they are a teacher in the classroom or a paraprofessional, which is a teacher's aide, the school secretary, the lunch, um, the folks that serve lunch, the librarian, the custodial staff, the principals. Wouldn't it be great if we had an entire campus on board with this skill set to build that strong sense of community, that strong sense of belonging, and that connection with people? I know for me as a parent, Mike, like that description just gives me a great sense of relief. Um, having a teenager in the school system right now, I just had a communication come out from our school system here in Michigan talking about identifying um, staff within each of the schools that are equipped where our youth can go to when they're having a problem. 
where something's not going right for them, that we've identified very specific staff members that are kind of that safe, equipped individual um, within our individual buildings to go to because kids need that connection. Kids need someone that they just know that they can go talk to and that they'll listen. Yeah, Sarah, I agree a hundred percent. And I think in today's day and age, with social media, um, with smartphones, with the internet, we're losing a lot of connection mm-hmm. and a lot of connection points as human beings. It's really easy to get online, whether it be whatever type of social media that is popular at the moment. Um, according to my teenage daughters, I'm like three social medias behind because <laughs> I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's really easy for me to place blame. It's easy for me to uh, make fun of. It's easy for me to point out things that really affect people and hide behind that because I'm not face-to-face with a person. Mm-hmm. It was much different when I was growing up. And, you know, we, we need to be aware of that. And because that's an issue, we need to start being smarter and saying, how are we going to bring back human connection? And what does that mean? You know, if, if we're leading and asking kids questions, if we're telling them always our advice, if we're trying to explain all these situations we've been through and they just need to listen to us, all we're doing is role modeling the negative way to communicate. But if we have the skill set that shows us reflective listening and what really needs to be done, then guess what? Kids are going to follow and they're going to end up doing the same thing. And that's one of the most powerful pieces we can do. And I'm sure with your own son, Sarah, since you've been using this and practicing this at home, you see those changes in him as well. Oh, yeah. Um, our podcast listeners hear a lot about <laughs> my family and my household because I think <laughs> it's just it's just true that it's it's putting the skills into practice. And what I'm envisioning as you talk about this is it's not like we're going to ask educators ever to do a a different set of curricula or um, another core competency that they're going to get tested on by their state credentialing agencies. We just want to equip them with ways to interact with one another and with the students that they serve. Am I catching that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the quick turnaround and idea for you and I who have facilitated this class in different arenas is what people really realize when they come to class, regardless of whatever your work employment is. If it's a school, if it's a church, if it's a hospital, if you own your own business, what people really find out and realize is that I can take this skill set and I can apply it in most of the situations in my life. And if we take that same idea with the youth movement and with education, in, in all the ways we touch youth, whether it be through um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, YMCA, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, all Little League, uh, basketball, whatever it might be, taking that same skill set and that idea, the more people we can work with, it's just going to help out our kids. And it's most importantly, it's just going to help out the next generation coming along. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's a real important part to this. And, and, and you put, you just brought it up, is that how do we apply what we've learned? That's the biggest piece. And there's, there's a real understanding. And I love what David Vander Mullen 
says, who, you know, is kind of the father and, and wrote this class, is he says, we're chronically human. I love that. And I love to have that vulnerability with students to be able to say, guess what? Like, man, I just made a mistake. And here's what I should have done. And here's why, because you deserve better. We all make mistakes all the time. We're not perfect. We're not perfect teachers. We're not perfect parents. But what do we do in those situations with the skill set that we have to not only improve relationships, but to also help our kids understand that they're going to make mistakes. But then what are the tools that we've learned that we can help guide them with so that they don't continue to make that same mistake yeah. and to place blame? Yeah, I love that. Um, so it's, it's really about, I know I just think about the, the stories I've shared multiple times in this, this medium of our podcast of just the mistakes I've made and the struggles I've had in applying the skills, but then also those successes of when we see it working. And so often when we teach the three-day class, we have parents saying, how can I do this with my kids? And, and my answer is generally like, no different than I'm teaching you how to do it right now. You, you just have to adjust your perspective, whether you're working with a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, or a 20-year-old on how you, you know, the, how you craft your message and the bucket of words that you're using, or maybe the specific skill at the specific moment that you're using, but the skills are the skills. Um, do you have any like way to help us picture why these skills matter in working with youth? Um, and that adult to youth component? Yeah, and, and let me kind of do it through story, if I may. And, yes. and I'm going to take like a, a, maybe a chapter out of my own parenting, <laughs> things that I've learned from having two teenage daughters um, as I grew from a facilitator into this role. You know, it's really interesting because I think about my daughters, 117, her name is Avery. Kate in one's team and her Delaney and like any parent I want them to grow up to be the very best human that they possibly can be um, and there's times when people will tell me oh my gosh it was such a pleasure to have your daughter at our house the other day it's such a pleasure to hear how your daughter talks and you kind of beam with pride right like all of us as parents when we hear good things about our kids we beam with pride but then there's also the situations where you think, okay, am I doing everything I can for my daughter to actually be the best person going forward? Because the behavior that was just displayed wasn't something I hope that happens out in public, right? Yep. And then what the class has taught me is as her parent, as her dad, what role did I play in that negative behavior. And here's, here's where I'm going with that. If I can ask myself that, and if I can be vulnerable with myself and give myself the courage to really ask that question, here's what often I find. There's things that I've done situationally that created a much more negative behavior because of the way I act it or react it in the moment of a situation and oftentimes it's not using the skill set that I learned. It's very interesting to hear you say that because with our four-year-old I'm trying to build those same type of habits so I look at it and think had I responded differently 
I really love your question about what role did I play in that negative behavior? You know, had I approached it different, would I have gotten a different response? Yeah. And so it, it kind of goes back to what David says, like mm-hmm. we're chronically human. So we have to allow ourselves the grace to say, whew, I had a, I had a chronically human moment um, <laughs> and I made a mistake, but there's a powerful piece to this. And the powerful learning lesson is, how am I going to go with my daughter, or if I was a teacher in a teaching situation, go to that kid and say, guess what? I messed up. The way I reacted was wrong. I'm not teaching you anything by doing that. And here's what I should have done instead. That's another way we can push out these skills to kids. But we have this kind of thing or this idea, and I don't really know where it ever started or where it came from, Um, but it's just like, as adults, we should never admit when we're wrong to kids. And I don't know why that (laughs) that is, right? But if we want them to learn how to accept and build on these skills, we have to be really good at modeling it, but then also when we don't model it, how do we fix that with them? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. There's also this sense of um, like we have to fix kids. And in the environments where I've had the opportunity to be in classrooms with young people, I'm telling you, they're freaking awesome. And especially around the topic of empathy. Every time I go in to talk to a a group of young people about empathy, they kind of look at me like I am a moron because they understand empathy way more than any of the adults that I interact with. Uh, and it's, it's those moments of realizing, like as adults, sometimes I think we think that we know what we're doing and we're right and this is the way it should be and we've got to fix the younger generation. There's something wrong with them. And it's like, no, just how are we going to be powerfully self-reflective, which is what I hear you talking about, grow in ourselves and interact and share with everyone and particularly youth that we're talking about today. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And I think that's, that's exactly what my experience is with kids. I have a background in special education. Um, that's where I got my start. And when I moved to Texas after my first year of teaching at a homeless shelter in Colorado, I was working in what they called an emotionally disturbed unit. Now that in no way shape or form sounds like a place any freshman in high school wants to be in that room right Mm -hmm. already there's like this negative label towards towards these boys that I was teaching Mm -hmm. and I was young not much older really than them in a year I didn't have hardly any tools behavior person yet to really know how to work with them and my main tool was to number one, consequence them when they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then argue with them because by gosh, I was the adult and I was right. And it got me nowhere other than a lot of heated discussions and problems. And I remember going back to Colorado after my first semester of teaching and it was Christmas time. And I went back to my parents' house um, And I lived right across the street. My parents lived right across the street from the high school I attended. Mm -hmm. And they were still in session. They hadn't started their Christmas break yet. And uh, one of my favorite all-time people that I had a strong sense of belonging with was my former baseball coach. Mm 
And I just went across the street and went into his classroom. He was um, teaching typing at the time. And, uh, you know, just went in to see him and talk with him. And it's interesting because I went with this idea, like, I'm going to go tell him all my problems and how awful these kids are. Right. (laughs) And he's just going to tell me it's okay. And that like, you know, he's going to give me some great advice and all will be good. And I remember just sitting there telling him, I'm like, you wouldn't believe the language that they use. You wouldn't believe this. You wouldn't believe that. And he stopped me through all this complaining. And he looked at me and he said, Mike, let me ask you a question. Why are you a teacher? And I said, well, I had great people like you. And I've always wanted to inspire youth. And I wanted to do all these things. And he said, then why are you fighting these poor kids? They have had the roughest background of anybody. And you're giving them what they already have in their home situations. You're creating more problems than you are good. Mm -hmm. So what if you just went in with the idea that you're just going to establish a relationship with them and you're just going to find out that these are actually really cool kids. And so it's kind of like the fireside chat, right? (laughs) Reality and um, what I was looking for were two totally different things. Um, So maybe at the moment, that moment in time, I was kind of like hurt. Like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. But the more I thought about it and the more I had those two weeks to really kind of comprehend, I went back second semester with that in play because what I was doing wasn't working. And I just tried to establish relationship with these kids. And what I found out is just what Sarah said. Here's kids who grew up in really hard situations. I mean, stuff that you just couldn't even imagine what they've gone through in life, the abuse, the trauma, everything. And I was finding out that we actually had a lot of interests that were similar and that they were really cool kids. And the more that I got to know them and just focused on the relationship and not the consequences, it was amazing what started to happen inside the classroom. Now, I still had a lot to learn when it came to behavior support. And I really had no skills at that point in time. But just that one idea of relationship, which was really just the sense of belonging that we're talking about, led me to believe there's a better way and there's a way we can just work with extreme behavior kids, but what if just everybody just kind of focused on that? And that's kind of where um, my passion is. And you can imagine the first time I took CST class and I started looking at this material, thinking about, well, the person who sent me thought I needed to be a better listener. I was just like, this applies in all walks of life. I was just so excited and so eager that Marsha Burns, who was one of our facilitators at the time, I'm sure she just wanted to do everything in her power to just shut me down because I kept asking questions and I kept having thoughts and ideas. So <laughs> uh, I'm picturing you in the classroom, Mike. I can totally picture it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My eye was big, bright, and shiny. And Maureen and, and Marsha, they just, they were so gracious to have me in the class. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> 
with the time that we have left for our podcast today, you know, you mentioned all of these ahas that were happening for you in the classroom when you first took the class. And I imagine you could see that application to youth and the environment you were working in then and now. Um, any particular skill or concept out of the CST class that you want to highlight as it relates to youth and how you've seen it work? Yes, absolutely. I think the, the item that I like the most, one of the skills that I like the most, and I like them all, is when we tie back to the logic in the emotion circles. Um, it's inside reflective listening. And I love this because there's so much brain research out there that supports everything that's happening inside those circles. And I remember sitting in class and we're doing the true false questions that come prior to the logic and emotion circles. And it says, you know, like true or false. When others tell me about their problems, is it helpful to ask questions, offer my advice, share my stories, tell others they'll be okay. And I remember sitting in that class and I'm like, true, 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 true. I can give you a million stories about all my life experiences and why people need to listen to me, right? <laughs> and so I'm like doing this battle and like Marsha's like false. And I'm like, nope, true. And she's like, Marine's like false. I'm like, nope, true. <laughs> and we get to those circles and it's kind of like a lightning bolt hits me. And I'm like, oh, so what you're telling me is when emotions are high, and I know this as a behavior specialist working with kids, that I really just need to let them have their space and time. And if I just lead with these listening skills, it's going to be so much more supportive than if I just try to give them my advice or tell them a story or whatever it is that I think is supposed to be really helpful. And I'm just like, wow that makes total sense. And so literally I still have it in my old workbook. I went back and I crossed out my pen and I wrote like all the false answers because that was that moment in time that I just love to sit with this and say, you know, at the end of the day, when a kid is just about to blow, right? When, when they're just really angry and they're really upset, if I can sit back, and just allow myself to be present with them, to make connection and just listen, then we're gonna see logic come back down. And that's a powerful tool. And if we can practice that and work with kids with that, that's really important. Because how often do you see, like you're going into a store or maybe it's in a school environment or maybe it's uh, out in public um, at a sporting event, where kids are angry and you see the adult get angry too, right? And yeah. then the adult starts to, to push out consequences. And what happens to the kid? They just get angrier. And so the consequence doesn't mean anything to the kid. And really what we need to do is just let the kid come back down. And we need to work with them in those co-regulation skills. And listening allows that to happen. Once a kid comes back down, we can then talk about, okay, what just happened? How do we fix this? And if the consequence is necessary, then at that point is where we go with that. But we kind of just get into these arguments and these fights with kids. And then we're genuinely surprised when kids want to fight and argue back with us, right? <laughs> but we're role modeling that. Like it's kind of insane. And so like those, those circles 
were my aha moment to say, yes, this is a skill we can teach. And this is a skill that isn't hard to apply if we really consider what's going on in that moment in time. I love that phrase co-regulation because um, it really brings it back around to what you were talking about earlier when you say, well, what's my role in this situation? Um, we all have a role, um, whether we've influenced our, our own kids or other kids or where we're dealing with a, a situation in the moment that seems to be emotional. Um, we have a role in that. We're the ones present. Um, so I really, that phrase co-regulation is really sticking with me and I'm reflecting on it. Mike, thank you. Mike, thanks so much about um, bringing up that concept of modeling the right behavior in front of our kids and, and realizing our role and this co-responsibility to, to work with them and knowing that sometimes we need to be able to take that step back and let the kids come down because you're absolutely right. I've seen it in my, my four-year-old. There are times that it's not, there's no need to create an argument. Just let her have her moment and, and we will talk about it when she's a little more calm. Thank you so much for joining us today. As always, at the end of our podcast, I like to ask our guests to give us a couple key takeaways. So Mike, if you could give us, you know, your key takeaways from today's conversation about utilizing these skills around youth. Sure. I think, I think one of the big ones that we learn in class is that behavior is an expression of need. And so if we really think about the moment when people are highly emotional, if we can remember that it's an expression of need and we give them the grace and we give them the space by truly reflective listening, we're going to help that person come down to the logic level where they can make really, really good decisions. And that's whether they're a kid that's four years old or they're a teenager or they're an adult or they're someone like my mom's age. We just have to allow people that grace and space. Thank you both for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk to our listeners. Thank you, Adam. We appreciate you having us. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. And Mike, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Always enjoy our conversations that we have, Sarah. <laughs> listeners, if you'd like to learn a little bit more and refresh yourself on the logic and emotion bubbles, we do have a podcast on that. It is episode number 29. Uh, feel free to go back, give that a download, give it a listen. And uh, if you have any questions or any feedback on any of our podcasts, feel free to reach out on our Facebook page. If you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylistens.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message.